it comes to speak, let me, um, let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for the life of John Mark Leach, and we celebrate, even though in the midst of this sadness with Jesus, we celebrate that he is with you, that he has faith in you, and that uh, he is no longer suffering and in pain. And Lord, we do pray for his family, that you would provide comfort uh, to them as they grieve the loss of, of John Mark. Jesus, none of this is a surprise to you, and we thank you that you are in control and on your throne, and that you've orchestrated all things uh, that come to be. And so we we come humbly before you this morning and ask you to speak. And Jesus, thank you that you are our provider and you invite us into more and more of a relationship with you by giving us a way to trust you. And so Jesus, as we open up your word this morning, may our hearts be softened and our ears be open and our minds be attentive to be able to, to listen and receive what you're doing in our, our hearts and lives. And Jesus, would you make us generous people as you've been generous with us? We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Strider. Today's message is called, To Tithe or Not to Tithe? That's the question before the house. And each of us needs to make a decision whether we're going to tithe or not to tithe. And I want you to know what I'm praying. I'm praying that everyone who leaves here today would leave here saying yes. Yes, I want to tithe. And you say, well, what would move us all to do that? Well, the point of today's message, I think, will be an encouragement for you to do that. And that's that everyone wins when you give 10. That if you really believe that if you gave 10% that everyone would win, I believe you'd leave here saying, yes, I want to do that. Um, <clears throat> but listen, we've got a long way to go to get there. And, um, and, and we really need Jesus to get there. <clears throat> and that's why we're walking through the book of Malachi together. Because what we're learning in the book of Malachi is that uh, everyone needs Jesus. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the last book in the Older Testament, Malachi. We're in chapter 3. <clears throat> what we've learned in the last month or so is this book has six arguments in it. And the arguments are in, in a legal sense of the word, not a husband and wife fighting. But, but six times God makes a statement and when God makes a statement, then the people object, and then God presents his case. He presents his argument. Last week, remember, was the fourth one, and God said, God is just, and God will judge justly. And today, the point God's going to make is that people are robbing God. He says, you're robbing God. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Have you ever noticed how clearly we see the sins of others and the flaws of others? Have you ever noticed how clearly? But we're blind to what? To our own. And that's what they were saying. God says, listen, you, you just like your fathers have turned aside. And they say, have we turned aside? How we not? They were completely blind to their own sins. Um, so notice what God says, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? And there God makes the statement, You're robbing me. Does that sound like a good idea? You think that's a good idea to steal from God? Have you noticed our mailboxes in a different place? Have you noticed that? Now, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, someone was coming to our mailbox and stealing checks out of the mailbox. Uh, can you believe that? They were stealing checks out. So we came up with a better plan. So we got a, a mailbox that would lock. 
So we had a mail a lock a mailbox that would lock on this big post, and it lasted for a year or two. And then guess what the person did? Stole the whole thing. <laughs> Pulled up, grabbed the whole mailbox and the post, and took it out of the ground and in their car. And uh, I'm not making this up; it's true. But I thought there's got to be a special place reserved in that hot place for people who do such things, right? But before we really want to give it to that person, maybe it'd be a good idea if we thought, huh, I wonder if we've ever robbed God. And notice what he said to the people. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And of course they say what? How have we robbed you? Because each time God makes a statement, they respond. And now notice what he says. Now God begins, begins to present his case, his argument. He says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. See the word tithes, it means 10%. Uh, and God required his people in the Old Testament to return the first 10% of what they had to him. And I know some of you will say, well, you know, Smiley, that was part of the Mosaic law. But I want you to know that, that the idea of tithing is way older than Moses. You remember Abraham, right? Um, God established his covenant with Abraham, and Abraham had a nephew named Lot, and one day some bad guys came, and uh, they captured Lot and all of his family, and then Abraham went. Abraham and his men went out, and God delivered Lot and his family to him. He, he rescued them, and then uh, we find Abraham in Genesis 14, verse 18, and, and he comes to this priest, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine now, he was a priest of God most high. I love that. We have a God, right? And he's not just God, he's what? He's the high God. And he's not just the high God, he is the most high. Melchizedek was the priest of God most high. He blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Oh, Abram, Abraham, God has delivered you, his, your enemies into your hands. And Abraham was so blown away by that, he gave him a tenth of all. Um, listen, Abraham was so overwhelmed that God rescued Lot and all of his family that when he appeared before Melchizedek, he gladly gave him a tenth, and that's a tithe. Um, what would our giving be like? if we really believed that God had rescued us from our enemies, that God had rescued us from sin and death so that we could enjoy him forever, wouldn't it be our delight to give him a tenth of all? So, so that's Abraham. And you, you know, he had a grandson named Jacob, right? And <laughs> Jacob got into some trouble at home and kind of stealing his brother's um, blessing. Remember that? And so he's headed to his uncle's house, Laban, to find a wife. And one night he goes to bed, and he must have really been tired because he put his head, he used a stone as a pillow. That would be hard, wouldn't it? And, uh, and while he's sleeping, he has that dream. You've heard you know, about Jacob's ladder, and, and Jesus is the ladder, and the angels are coming up and down on, on the ladder. And then, and then Jesus appears, God appears to, to Jacob and says, listen, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. I'm going to get you safely. You're going to find, find a wife, and I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. 
So in Genesis 24, or Genesis 28, verse 18, So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He worshiped the Lord. He thanked the Lord. He called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey, then I will take that, that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house, and, all, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So he says, if, if you bring me back of all that you have given me, I will gladly give a tenth to you. What if we thought that all that we have has been a gift of God to us, even the ability to make wealth? The Bible says God gives us the ability to make wealth. Wouldn't it then be our delight to give a tenth to him? Okay, so, but that was the Old Testament. The, the, the New Testament really doesn't talk about tithing. Well, it does in one place. Did you know Jesus spoke about tithing? In, um, in Matthew 23, uh, Jesus is pronouncing woes upon the religious leaders. And in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. You are so careful to tithe that you tithe everything down to the smallest garden herb. Uh, You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things, the tithing, these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. What Jesus said is tithing is a small thing. It's a small thing. And listen, you're faithful in small things. It's important that you're then faithful in big things. So God says that you've robbed me in tithes by not returning 10% in offerings. There were many offerings the people were expected to give in addition to the tithes. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And we say, what is this curse? Remember a few weeks ago, if you were here? A few weeks ago, what we learned was that when Israel crossed the Jordan River, then half the people stood on Mount Gerizim, half the people stood on Mount Gerizim, and they recited all the blessings that Israel would experience if they obeyed God. And the other half stood on Mount Ebal, and they proclaimed all the curses that would come on them if they didn't obey God. And so they were not obeying God, and the curses that they had said were now taking place. Now, notice what God says, bring the whole tithe, again the 10%, into the storehouse. You see, in the temple, in the temple there was a room called the storehouse. And, and when, when the people brought their tithes in, they were placed in the storehouse, Now, what they were instructed to do was to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then he gives the reason for it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? So that there may be food in my house. When people brought in the tithes and offerings, it was put in the storeroom, and that's how the priest ate. And that's how the temple worship was carried out. And that's how the poor were helped. And that's how the gospel was meant to be proclaimed to all the nations because Israel was meant to be a blessing to all the nations. 
And it's like that today, too. When people tithe to the local church, then there's food in God's house to carry out the advance of the gospel, both locally and around the world. Um, so that there may be food in my house, and listen to this, test me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. Have you ever wondered, what if there was, what if there was a way to prove that God was real? What, 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 if, what if there was a way you could test God and God would show up? Now, in general, God says, don't do that, right? Uh, doesn't the Bible say, don't put God to the test? You, you remember the story of Jesus, right, when he's being tempted? And, uh, and, the, and the devil takes him up on the temple and says, you know, if, if you're really the son of God, then jump off and see if your father will catch you. And, and remember what Jesus said in Matthew 23? Uh, no, not, not Matthew 20. Actually, Matthew 23. Did I read the wrong thing earlier? No, I'm, no, I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4. I already read Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 4. What do you say? You lost it a long time ago, okay? <laughs> Matthew 4, verse 7. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Uh, so Jesus says, You're not to put God to the test. That's Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. But in Malachi, there is one place. God didn't say, Jump off temples and see if I'll catch you. But God did say, if you want to test me, listen, then bring the, whole, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. See the word windows there? Um, that word in Hebrew is aruba. And uh, it's used in, a, in another place in the Bible. It's used in Genesis chapter 7 with the flood. Remember the story of the flood? The earth at that time was filled with a contempt for God. The world hated God. And the world was filled with violence and immorality. Does that sound familiar? It always happens when people have a contempt for God, it leads to violence and immorality. So what God did was God, because he's gracious, provided a way of escape, the ark. And, but he said his justice was going to fall. And uh, after 120 years, uh, Noah and his family got on the ark and experienced grace and everybody else experienced justice. But we read Genesis 7, verse 10. It came about after the seven days that the water of the Lord came upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. With the flood, there was water that was underneath the surface of the earth, and it burst forth. So that's where some of the water came from. And the floodgates, and if you have a King James Version or an English Standard Version, it says the windows. It's the same word. The windows, the floodgates of the sky were open. It seems like there was a water canopy level around the earth, and it opened, and that water came down, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So in both places, we read about windows and pouring, right? And in Genesis, what do we read? God's judgment, right? The windows of heaven, the floodgates were open, and the whole earth was flooded with judgment. Oh, but what are we promised in Malachi? In Malachi, we're promised that if we would bring the whole tithe in, God would open the windows and we would be flooded. It would overflow with blessings. Um, people often tell me, Smiley, it's easy to believe in Jesus, 
but it's hard to follow him. And I say, no, no, the opposite is true. Uh, it's hard to believe in Jesus. It's easy to follow. If we really believed God, that if we would give him 10%, that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out us a and flood us with blessings, we'd say, listen, I'm into tithing. I want to see, I want to be flooded with blessings. But the reason we don't tithe is that we don't believe. We don't believe that God will do what he says he will, and that's why we don't, because when we believe, we'll say this is the greatest investment opportunity ever. Who wouldn't want to tithe? So God promises. He says that, listen, if we would tithe, the first thing he would do is he would bless us, and then notice what he says too. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will the vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, these people, before their grapes were even gathered in, some fell on the ground. Um, do, you, do you ever feel like there's too much month at the end of the money? You ever feel that way, there's too much month at the end of the money? You ever considered why that is? You know what God is saying here? The reason you have too much month at the end of the money is because I'm working against you. I encourage you, read the book of Haggai. It's so good. You know what God says in Haggai? He says, you know why you never have enough money at the end of the month? Because I have cut holes in your pockets. So you're putting money into your pockets and it's falling out faster than you put it in and that's why you never seem to have enough. And so what God is saying is that if we bring the tithe in, first, he'll, he'll pour out blessings. Second, he'll sew up the holes in our pockets so that what we have doesn't flow so fast through us. And then notice what he says. This is what God wants. All the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God's covenant promises is I want to bless you. And in you, I want to bless all the nations of the earth. God's intent for Israel and for us was to have a blessed people in the midst of the world so we could be a blessing to the world. And um, that's why everyone wins when, when you give 10, okay? Now, I'd like to just start to unpack that a little bit. And I, and I want you to know, when I say everyone wins when you give 10, first of all, that being generous, that being generous, giving tithes and offerings is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing to be generous. It's a good thing. But the second thing I want you to know is only one person has ever gotten it right. Uh, only one person has truly been generous, and it's not me, and it's not you. His name is Jesus. Isn't that what we read in verse 8? Hmm. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? The bad news of the gospel is we've all sinned, and, and I would imagine that many of us in here have robbed God. We've not given him his tithes and offerings. Is, is that true of you or me? Isn't it true of all of us? And you say, well, I've always tithed and offerings <laughs> and given offerings. Okay, let's back up a verse ahead of that. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. Uh, if we've not robbed God of tithes and offerings, have we not robbed him of the honor and obedience that's due his name? Haven't we? Haven't we all disobeyed God? I mean, have you ever made a decision without uh, seeking God first? Growing up, did you ever not honor your father and mother? 
I mean, have you ever been involved in sex outside of marriage? Have you ever wanted what someone else has? Listen, we've all sinned against God over and over. We've all robbed God of money and honor and worship and obedience. And because of that, we're in big trouble. But here's the good news. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He came to seek and save people who had robbed God. Oh, let me show you. Um, as we think about giving, I don't want to tell you how gracious I am, how generous I am, but I want to tell you about Jesus. There is no one like Jesus, no one more generous, no more one more gracious. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, that though he was rich, he was rich. He was in heaven, enjoying the praise of angels. He was rich beyond our wildest imagination. Yet, for your sake, he became poor. He laid aside his glory. Why? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus left heaven and spent nine months in the womb of Mary. Listen, he invested 33 years in you and me, and when he died, all that he owned were the clothes on his back. Talk about becoming poor, the one who would never sin. Took our sin, and he died in our place. He experienced the death that we deserve to die. He experienced the wrath of God like we ex uh, deserve, and, and he cried out from the cross, It is finished. He was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave. And, uh, and, and, and he wants to make us rich for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became born. He died and rose. Why? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He offers us eternal life. He wants to forgive us. What would you pay to be forgiven? What if I told you it was paid for and it's free? He offers us the chance to do life in eternity. What, would you, what if I told you it was free because he paid for it for you and me? He became poor so that we might become rich. And how do we receive this gift? It's by faith, isn't it? In John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Uh, the way we receive eternal life is we believe in Jesus. And believing in Jesus, we love to say, is as simple as A, admit, and B, believe, and C, commit. And, and listen, if you've never done that, and you'd like to be forgiven, and you'd like to do life in eternity, won't you do that now? You can do that now, or I'd be glad to assist you when we close in prayer. But to believe in Jesus starts when we admit, Jesus, I've robbed you. I've not honored you. I've sinned against you. Won't you admit? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and, and rose again. And then we commit, Jesus, I want to receive you as my Savior. Forgive me and give me eternal life. <clears throat> and I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I'll follow you all the days of my life, won't you? <laughs> won't you admit and believe and commit? Oh, and if you have, did you hear what this says? But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, that we're forgiven. We get to do life with Jesus in eternity. And listen, we get to be children of God. So everyone wins when you give 10 means that being generous, tithes and offerings, that's good, but only one person ever got it right, and that everyone needs Jesus uh, to become generous. Everyone needs Jesus. 
we've been learning that grace is not Jesus lowering the standard. Well, not many people tithe and not many people give offerings, so let's lower the standard. Grace isn't about lowering the standard. Grace is about Jesus forgiving those that had missed the standard and then moving into us and lifting us, lifting us to the standard. When Jesus moves in, he says, follow me, right? And he becomes our model for life and ministry. And to help us in that, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. And so when Jesus moves in, he says, follow me. He said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And the Holy Spirit says, it's true. It's true. Listen, it's more blessed to give than receive. And you know what Jesus says? When he moves in, he says, listen, everyone wins when you give 10. Why should you tithe? Because everyone wins when you do. God wins. What do I mean that everyone wins? I mean that God wins when you give 10. Listen, when stingy people become generous, God is glorified. I mean, remember the story of Zacchaeus? Remember Zacchaeus? Could we say he was stingy? He was stingy, wasn't he? Because he used to steal from people, didn't he? And then one day he had lunch with Jesus. I would love to have been there in Jericho, wouldn't you? He has lunch with Jesus, and out comes a stingy person, and he says what? Half of all my possessions I will give to the poor. Not 10%. He said what? 50%. And he said, if I've wronged anyone of anything, I'll give them back four times as much. What do you think the people said? What? What happened to Zacchaeus? What happened to him? You know what happened to him? What? He met Jesus. He met the generous one, and everything changed. Have people noticed we're more generous since we met Jesus, have they? Listen, when we trust God for our financial future rather than ourselves and our money, God is glorified. God is glorified. God wins when we give 10. Listen, the church wins. The church wins when we give 10. Isn't that what it says here? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Listen, when, when we tithe to our local church, the local church wins. Why? So that there may be food in my house. So many of you are so faithful in giving tithes and offerings. Thank you. Uh, And and because you do, we're able to have an amazing staff. Thank you. We have two amazing facilities as a church. Thank you. We have these because of your tithes and offerings. Thank you. Uh, Listen, we're able to, to, to spread the gospel here and around the world through your giving Thank you. This year, we've seen 135 people profess faith in Christ because you give. Thank you. We've been able to help plant over 20 churches around the world this year because you give. Thank you. And I want to show you one other really important reason why we give. Uh, In John 14, verse 6, notice what Jesus said. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. And so when you give here, you help us win people to Christ and change their eternities. But notice the next, I am the truth. Jesus said, go and win people to Christ. And then he said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. You're investing in a church that believes that Jesus is the truth. You're investing in a church that believes that God's word is true. And I want you to know that's rare in our culture today. We live in a culture where people have abandoned the truth and many churches have abandoned the truth because the price to pay to remain faithful to Christ and his word is too high to pay. And I want you to know good news has many, many, many flaws. I mean, they let me be the pastor, right? 
But when you invest here, you invest in a church that believes that Jesus is the way, that believes that Jesus is the truth and his word is true, that believes that Jesus is the life. So everyone wins when you give 10. God wins. Listen, the church wins and we win. We win. You know how we win? We get vaccinated against materialism. We hear a lot about vaccinations now, right, and being immunized. Do you know when we give God the first 10% of what he gives to us, that vaccinates our hearts against materialism? You say, what's materialism? It's trusting in things and money for our security rather than God. All of God's commands are given to us to protect us and to provide for us. And so when we give to God the first 10%, we're immunizing ourselves against materialism, and God provides for us an abundant, uh, an abundant life. So we win because we're vaccinated against materialism. Secondly, it's an easy test. It's an easy test. Well, what do you mean? This, this guy told me once, he said, Smiley, can you imagine if God said, if you're patient, if you're patient with everyone for one week, then I'll pour out my blessings on you. How many of us would ever win, huh? None of us ever would, right? But he said, God is so gracious. Because what God says on the first day of the week, if you give 10%, then you can trust me to bless you for the rest of the week. It's an easy test. Thinking of an easy test, aren't you glad it's 10%? I mean, I'm mathematically challenged, are you? Imagine if he said 8% or 14%. How would you ever figure that out? Hey, you know, there, there used to be a bumper sticker that said, are you a tither or a tipper? And maybe at one time that made sense. But you know what Karen and I went out to eat last night? And this nice young lady, she served us food and drink. And you know what we gave her? Over 20%. And God gives us life, an eternal life, in all good things to enjoy. And we think 10% is way too much. Um, Listen, we win. We get vaccinated. Uh, it, it's an easy test to see God show up in our life. And we get to enjoy his blessings. We get to enjoy his blessings. Notice what he says. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until, over, until it overflows. And people sometimes say, well, Smiley, you're a prosperity gospel preacher. Uh, you're a prosperity teacher. And all the verses that we show on Sundays during the offering, you know what people say? You know, Smiley, all those are prosperity verses. You shouldn't give to get. Do you think that way? To which I say, says who? Every place I know in the scriptures that call us to give, call us to give to get. Every place. I mean, what do you think Jesus would say? You're having way too much fun? You need to be more miserable? Give your money away? You have too much? You need less? Every place where the Bible calls us to give, it calls us to give to get. It does that here. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? And test me now, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, doesn't he tell us to give to get? How about in Luke 6? In Luke 6, verse 38. <clears throat> give and what? Help me what it will be given to you. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, give why? It will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. God's so generous, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, 
I believe the Bible teaches that we determine the size of our blessing by what we give. It's what he says, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. The where prosperity theology goes wrong is they make it a financial transaction. What they say is if you give God $10, he's bound to give you $20 back. You won't outgive God. We determine the size of our blessing by what we give, but God determines how. <laughs> when our kids were little and uh, we had one income and a bunch of kids, you know what? It wasn't like we tithe and God gave us money, but you know someone gave us a crib and people gave us clothes for our children and people gave us all these things. And as we honored God, you know what he did? He met our needs just like he said he would. And that's what we mean when Jesus says, come on and follow me because everyone wins. When you tithe, listen, God wins because he's glorified and, and, and the church wins, the church is funded. And listen, we win. We're, we're vaccinated and, and, and um, it, it's an easy test and we get to see, the, enjoy the blessings of God. So that brings us to our action step for this week, our action step for this week, which is take a step. Wherever you are, I encourage you to, to take a step. Uh, now, now, many of you uh, can take the step to tithe. Uh, won't you take that step? I mean, it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And I, I know it, it, if you're a Christian and you know Jesus, um, I mean, you can't say to Jesus, that's too much because you've met Jesus. But I think many of us think, well, I mean, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I mean, Jesus did a lot, but, but I can't af afford it. And, and so I want you to know that Jesus calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because to walk by sight means we follow our math. And our math goes like this, that I have $10 and it's not enough, and 10 minus 1 equals left. If I can't get on, along on 10, how can I get along on 9? But listen, God's math is different from ours. God's math is different from ours because God's math goes 10 minus 1 plus Jesus equals more. That when we step out in faith, God shows up. And you say, well, how does he do that? I don't know. But he does. Karen and I have been married for almost 41 years and we've been tithing. God's always shown up and taken care of us and I know he'll do the same for you because he always keeps his word. Listen, so some of us need to take that first step and say, okay, okay, yes, I'm going to step out in faith and, and work by God's math and not ours. Some of us are tithing and that's a great place to start for uh, gospel giving, but the next step would be to give offerings, to give offerings. And uh, it says here to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and I would really encourage you to, to tithe to your local church because that's the storehouse. And with your offerings, listen, you're free to give to your local church or to any other ministry that you'd like to support that's advancing the gospel and making disciples around the world. I know we have many people at Good News who tithe to us and then they give offerings to help us plant churches around the world. Perhaps that's the step that Jesus is calling you to take is to take the next step of offerings. A step that many of us could take would be we're giving tithes and offerings would be to include good news in our estate planning. Our estate planning. Last week, Jason spoke about a church that was planted in India called Irene Presbyterian Church. Irene was someone, while she was alive, who included good news in her estate planning. So when she died, our church was greatly blessed. And now there's a church in India that bears her name and uh, her giving has continued to impact people both here and around the world. Uh, have you ever thought about including us in your estate planning? 
I know Karen and I have done that. We have six kids, and uh, we've set up our will to divide our estate between the, our six kids and, and the church. That's a step that many of us could take, right? We could tithe, offerings, estate planning. Here's one, and, and that's we could choose to be a cheerful giver, a, a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians chapter <clears throat> Nine. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsions, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know why God loves a cheerful giver? You guys there, you know why he loves it? Because he's a cheerful giver, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And when we're cheerful givers, we're becoming like our generous God. And, and I know more and more of you are, are giving online. I, we really appreciate that. But in the worship service, there's an offering time. Because worship is our response to God's revelation of himself. And if you give online, there's still that time during the service where we can say, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for the ability to make wealth. Thank you for being a cheerful giver. Lord, help me to be a cheerful giver too. So just imagine this week. Just imagine this week what would happen if each of us took a step. Uh, not the same step, but each of us took a step. For some, the step of tithing. For some, the step of offerings. For some, the step of estate planning. For some, the step of being a cheerful giver. Wow. Listen, God would be glorified the church would be fully funded and we would find our hearts uh, vaccinated against materialism. We would have a test to see Jesus show up this week and we would enjoy his blessings. Oh. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that though you were rich, you became poor, so that we, through your poverty, might become rich. Listen, if you're here today and you've never received eternal life, if you'd like to be forgiven and do life with Jesus, he's here, won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and, and be my Savior and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Oh, if you've prayed that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who, who have invited you in, that you would lift us this week, that you would lift us to the standard, that, that we would give so that everyone would win, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would move, that some of us would say, Lord, I'm willing to take that first step and tithe, Lord. Lord, I pray that others of us would say, Lord, I want to take another step, and, and I want to give offerings. And Lord, I pray that some among us would say, Lord, we want to take that step of including good news in our estate planning. And Lord, I pray that all of us would say, Lord, help us to be a cheerful giver like you are. For we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.